We're thrilled to have you learn and grow with us this morning. The vision of our church is to live as God's children, sharing the love of Christ through study, worship, and service. And if you don't have a church home, we hope you'll consider joining us for worship when we can gather together in person again. In today's sermon, we continue to talk about 1 Peter and the inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus, particularly how the present reality and the future promises of our faith make it possible for us to be filled with life and joy right now, even in the midst of suffering. I pray that the sermon today is a blessing to you, and we hope you'll reach out if there are other ways we can be ministering to you or your loved ones in this season. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find more information on our website, www.morememorialumc.com. That's M-O-O-R-E, Memorial, UMC, like United Methodist Church, Com. You could like and follow us on Facebook by searching for More Memorial UMC. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you who have been raised from the dead in power and glory, we give you thanks. And we ask that you would appear to us in our spirits today that we might know the fullness of your salvation, that we might expect the full inheritance that you have stored up for us in the heavenly places. This we pray in your holy, precious, and powerful name. Amen. Our first reading this morning comes from the first letter of Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Hear this word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our second reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20. We'll start in verse 19, and we'll go through verse 29. Hear this word. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. 
Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts find acceptance in your sight, Almighty Father, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Real life is not on hold. Real life is here right now. If you spend any time listening to country music, you will hear all different sorts of songs about how time moves too fast, how you should hold on to this moment and enjoy it for all that it's worth because time keeps moving. And if we spend too much time dreaming about what comes next, we will miss the blessings in the present. Real life is not on hold. Real life is here right now. This is true as Peter writes to the church in Asia Minor, and he knows that they need to know how to survive and endure suffering. He wants them to know that even though they are experiencing trials of many kinds, they are not waiting for real life to come. Real life has already arrived. Last week, I tried to make the case that Peter is not surprised by suffering. In fact, he thinks that suffering is normal for Christians, that we should expect to suffer in this life and that we shouldn't be surprised by it. And he's trying to give them resources to survive in the midst of suffering and persecution as they seek to live in a world that no longer feels like home. Throughout the letter, he calls them strangers and aliens and exiles. And this isn't because they've moved to some faraway land that they had never lived in before. This is the case in the land that they were raised in. Something about the gospel, something about living as Christians has made them somehow unrecognizable to their friends and neighbors, maybe even to their families. And so he tells them, He tells them that they've been given a new birth. He tells them that they have been given a new birth into a living hope. That is, right now they're experiencing hope in Jesus who's been raised from the dead. And they've been given new birth into an inheritance that is waiting for them in heaven. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It will not disappear or go bad. 
It will not be anything but pure. It will always bring satisfaction and will never be diminished. He talks about even how God's power is shielding the church now until they receive the salvation that they're waiting for. Their salvation is now and it is waiting for them in heaven. It is now and not yet. The fullness of real life waits for them, and yet real life right now is not on hold. God has already given the church new birth. He's already preparing the church for obedience according to the will of Jesus Christ. And the disciples, as Jesus has suffered and died, as they are afraid of what the Judeans will do to them as well, the disciples want to put life on hold. They want to wait and take a little bit of time to feel safe, and so they go into a holding pattern. Locked up in the upper room where they share Jesus' last meal with him, they try to go back. Back before they fell asleep while he was struggling in the garden. Back before Judas betrayed him. Back before Peter denied him. Back before everything seemed to fall apart. They're in the room with the doors locked, waiting not really sure what for. All of them except for Judas and Thomas. Thomas had to go out. No one tells us why Thomas had to go out or how he was chosen to go out. Despite his moniker as the doubter, maybe he was the one most willing to take the risk. Maybe we should call him Thomas the Courageous. Or maybe we should call him Short Straw Thomas because no one wanted to go out and they cast lots and the lot fell on him. For whatever reason, everyone else is holed up in the room behind locked doors and Thomas is not with them. Everyone else is safe in the place where they want to hold on to the things that have been before and Thomas has to venture out into a world that they know is threatening. Real life is not on hold For Thomas. And while Thomas is gone, Jesus shows up and he offers the disciples peace and he shows them his wounds and he breathes his spirit on them and they learn that their locked doors cannot keep out Jesus. Real life is going to show up for them. When Thomas comes out and finds out that he missed seeing the resurrected Lord, he he missed his chance to see his friend who has died tragically one more time, it's hard to say what Thomas feels. Either it's true what the disciples are saying, and Jesus has intentionally left Thomas out. There's no doubt that Jesus knew. If Jesus can be raised from the dead, if Jesus is the Lord of life, if Jesus is the word of God made flesh, Jesus knew where Thomas was when he showed up. And if that's the case, Jesus intentionally left Thomas out when he showed up to see the disciples. So it's true and Jesus knew what he was doing or that what the disciples are saying is not true. Maybe it's a cruel joke. Maybe it's a joint hallucination in the midst of their grief. But whatever it is, it makes Thomas feel like he can't trust them. Thomas wants to see Jesus, to have the same experience that they did, to see his hands, to touch his hands, and to touch his side, his wounds that are now glorified. But when Jesus shows up at the same time the next week, and Thomas is there, and he offers them peace in the same way, and Thomas sees Jesus, Jesus gives Thomas his heart's desire. 
Put your finger here, he says. Put your, put your hand here. And Thomas immediately bursts forth with a confession of faith. My Lord and my God. Jesus says, stop doubting and believe. And Thomas confesses Jesus to be not only Lord, but God. And then Jesus says, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas wanted the same experience as the other disciples. He wanted to see Jesus. And Jesus doesn't criticize that. When we read this story, a lot of times we want to put Thomas down and say we're doubters like him. But Jesus tells Thomas to stop doubting and believe. It's not a shot at Thomas. It is instructive for all of us who read John's gospel. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's us. It's all of us who live after Jesus' resurrection appearances. All of us who are depending on Peter and John and Matthew and Mark's words to know that Jesus has been raised. I haven't seen the resurrected Lord. I'd bet that most of you haven't either. Apart from some miraculous vision the Lord has offered to us, none of us have. So we're taking it on the authority of the apostles. We have to do the thing that Thomas resisted doing. We have to believe without seeing. And Jesus expected that to be difficult. He expected us to have trouble finding the fact that he had been raised from the dead credible, and he calls us to faith anyway, and he gives us the example of Thomas so that we know that it's okay for us to doubt, and yet it is okay for us to have faith and to trust in the resurrection of Jesus. And all of this means that our ears should perk up a little bit when we read what Peter says in his letter to the church in Asia Minor. Peter, who was in the room there with Thomas and the other disciples, when he says, though you have not seen him, you have loved him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an unspeakable and glorious joy. The church in Asia Minor has not seen the resurrected Jesus. They have not beheld him with their eyes. They have not been able to touch his hands and his side. But Peter says, you believe in him anyway, and you are filled with joy. You are receiving the end goal of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. Do you hear it from Peter? This isn't just some offer to go to heaven when you die. Peter is saying that real life is available to us right now. We don't have to wait. Even in the midst of suffering, rejoicing with unspeakable joy is available to us. Despite suffering various trials, despite the expectation that Christians will endure difficult things, Christians can rejoice. He uses that word twice, once in verse 6 and again in verse 9. Rejoice with unspeakable joy, with glorious joy, because God is healing our souls. God is saving us now, and the sufferings that we are enduring is a part of how God is purifying us 
so that we are ready to dwell with him forever. There's grief and suffering in the world. All of us are experiencing it right now to a certain degree. We've even come up with new vocabulary that none of us used regularly until the last few weeks to describe it. Social distancing, novel coronavirus, unprecedented times, uncharted territory. These are not words that all of us used all the time until a few weeks ago. There's the grief and suffering that all of us are enduring as people, and there are the unique ways that grief and suffering is shaping each of our lives. But regardless of what that looks like for you, all of us are experiencing it. And Peter invites us into a faith that has something to say about suffering to the extent that it can offer us joy despite the suffering. He invites us into a faith that fills us with a living hope, that gives us new birth, and promises us an inheritance that is never going away and never diminishing. We haven't seen him, he says, but we love him. We haven't seen him, but we rejoice with an unspeakable joy. Even though we can't see him right now, we rejoice because we are confident in the inheritance, because we are confident that God is saving our souls right now. We shouldn't take this for granted. This kind of hope, this kind of faith, this kind of love is a deep gift that we are blessed to have. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. Because it produces unbridled, unspeakable joy. Rejoicing is not what we expect to be the baseline of people who suffer. Inexpressible joy is not my primary disposition much of the time. But when I am having trouble expressing joy, or even feeling joy, it's because I have decided that real life is on hold. Because I've decided that whatever is going on right now has become more important than who God is and what God has done in Jesus Christ and what God will do at the end of all time. When I find myself lacking joy, it's not that joy isn't available to me. It's that I think real life isn't right now. And so I move away from being rooted in the living hope and reflecting on the salvation of Jesus. In Christ, it's not that the trials go away, but if Jesus is saving our souls, we can endure. My family has been walking the path of suffering this week with my grandfather who died on Saturday morning. And after I got the news, some lyrics from one of my favorite hymns for all the saints came bubbling up in my soul. The verse that was particularly profound for me goes like this. And though the strife is fierce, the warfare long, steals on the ear the distant triumph song, and hearts are brave again, and arms are strong. Alleluia, alleluia. The strife is fierce. The warfare is long. This pandemic stuff is probably going to last far longer than we could have imagined. And yet, 
And yet the song of victory you can hear in the distance right now that is available to you, the living hope, the beat of the hymns of our hope, the inheritance that is waiting for us, and the present gift of salvation, that song strengthens us for the journey. And God will carry us through because real life is not on hold. Real life is not on hold for Thomas and the disciples. Jesus has gotten up from the grave. Real life is not on hold for the churches in Asia Minor who are suffering because Jesus has gotten up from the grave. And real life is not on hold for us as we shelter in place or endure whatever trials come our way because Jesus has been raised from the dead. And if we are in Christ, if we have been born anew into him, our living hope, if we have been graced with obedience, then we are invited to rejoice. Not because the suffering of the world is going away, not because everything is going our way, but because God is for us and because no one and nothing can stand between us and the Lord. That's the basic information that Peter is going to base the rest of his letter on. Real life is not on hold. All of its fullness is waiting for us. But what we're going through right now is not some kind of pause in the grand scheme of life. It's not something that we should just wish and wish and wish that it would go away. This is it. This is real life suffering and rejoicing all mixed up together until Jesus returns. So don't live like life is on hold. If you need to grieve and rest, do those things. If you need to grow, don't wait for normal to return to begin to invest in disciplines of reading scripture and talking about Jesus with one another and praying regularly and even fasting. Don't wait to find ways to care for your neighbors until the time is past. The time to care for one another is now. If you need to build relationships, don't wait. Reach out to people now and say, I need you to help me follow Jesus. Reach out to people now and say, I want to follow Jesus with you. Real life is not on hold. And as we receive the end goal of our faith, we will find ourselves rejoicing. Inexpressible, unspeakable, inexhaustible, glorious joy coming forth from our souls. Not because we've mustered it up in ourselves, but because though we have not seen Christ, we have loved him. And though we have not seen him, he is at work in our midst. Christ wants to offer you joy today by giving you faith by filling you with hope. And I wonder if you want that to be on hold or if you are ready to receive it. Real life is not on hold. Real life is available to us now that will fill us with hope, that will never disappoint us, and that will drive us into unspeakable joy. Will you receive that invitation, that promise from the Lord today? Though you have not seen him, you have loved him. Though you have not seen him, you are receiving the end goal of your faith. Will you pray with me? 
Lord Jesus Christ, you know all of our trials and temptations. You know all of our suffering. You know the ways that we are struggling right now, struggling to be the people that you have called us to be, struggling to trust you in the midst of the things that we are enduring, struggling to be the people that we think we are with our families or our coworkers or the people that we encounter day to day because we are stressed. You know our struggles. And yet you have offered yourself. You have endured all of the struggles and the suffering and the shame and even death itself. And you have conquered those things on our behalf. And you have made it possible for us to claim our inheritance. For us to cling to your hope. And for us to know the fullness of your joy right now because real life is not on hold. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to live as people of the cross that you would live, help us to live as people of the resurrection this week. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you, Almighty Father, with the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. I pray that today has been an opportunity for you to grow in the knowledge and the love of God, and that you've experienced God's grace through this ministry of Moore Memorial United Methodist Church. Our vision as a church is to be God's children, sharing the love of Christ through study, worship, and service. If this service has been a blessing to you, we hope that you'll do two things. First, find someone that you can have a faith-focused conversation with this week. Don't just talk about the weather. Talk about how Jesus has shown you his love. Talk about what you're learning about Jesus. Talk about how Jesus is calling you to love others. Just talk about Jesus. Second, let us know that this has been meaningful for you. The scripture readings for today's message come from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible and are used with permission. As we prepare to end our service today, I invite you to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And now receive this blessing. As Christ burst forth from the tomb, may new life burst forth from us, and show itself in acts of love and healing to a hurting world. And may that same Christ, who lives forever and is the source of our new life, keep your hearts rejoicing and grant you peace this day and always. Amen.